you have to be more proactive. And when you have to be proactive, you have to be more purposeful. And when you're purposeful, um, the things you do are going to be better aligned with who you are and what you want out of life. Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Dwayne Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time to test all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space, where real people, real marketers, talk about everything but advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. In today's episode, I speak with who I believe to be one of the smartest and most present marketers in today's environment, Courtney Valentini. Vice President of Marketing Communications and Design at Tyson Foods. Since meeting Courtney and serving her business back in 2017, I felt very grateful to have learned so much grace, care, and intention by watching her work. In our discussion, Courtney and I bond over our unique upbringings, our attention to the now, and share beliefs and accountability and respect for others. Courtney delivers what I believe is one of the most influential and human perspectives I've had the fortune of hearing in these times. And I hope you forgive my poor sound quality management within the discussion. Courtney truly is someone I admire and I'm quite sure you will as well. And with that, let's dive in. So thanks for hanging with me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I always, you know, I always start the conversation with just a, a loose one, just checking in, you know, generally speaking, how are you, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Yeah. You know, how's your energy? How are you doing today? Yeah. Um, good for Monday, I think, you know, I think, um, I think the start of 2021 couldn't have come at a, you know, at a better time. And it feels like for a lot of different reasons, there's, there's just sort of a renewed energy. And I feel like I've, um, maybe not purposely, but, uh, have picked up on that energy. And I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot more momentum and sense of progress attached to, you know, the world. And so I'm trying to take that with me. So, you know, I think Monday's, Mondays um, can always be tricky, but, you know, I think, you know, new year, new week, um, just really feels like the more we can keep that sense of, of progress and momentum, I think, I think we'll be good. So, you know, today I'm, feel, today I'm feeling good. Good, good. Yeah, no, I feel like um, 
I am losing sense of time. It's like the days they just blend in, you know? Yeah. So is it yeah. Monday, Friday? I'm not quite sure. So it's made me a little bit more appreciative of the day. So let, let's learn a little bit about you. You know, I just, I ask a very broad question to all of my friends and I do it intentionally because I think it helps all of us think about what the question means. And that question is just, you know, tell me a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, how you think that contributed to who you are today. Yeah, happy, happy to do that. So I, I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I grew up in a, a little suburb outside of Indianapolis. Um, you know, it was a sort of upper middle class, you know, predominantly white um, suburb. So sort of looked, um, my childhood looked, you know, a lot like you would probably picture that it did. Um, it was it was a bit unique for me, uh, and it's really the the uniqueness of my situation I think that stood out the the most and probably defined me the most. So I grew up um, actually in a couple different households. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was pretty little, uh, when I was you know when I was a toddler, and they both got remarried, um, and so they you know had committed from you know from day one. After, after the divorce, that they were going to do the co-parenting thing, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older, so I think they were, you know, co-parenting before co-parenting was, was really a thing, um, and it was very, you know, it was a very unique situation, I think, obviously for me, but also for, um, you know, for families growing up in the area, and my parents never lived more than a mile apart from each other, and so, I literally spent, you know, my, my childhood at, at two different houses, um, believe it or not, going back and forth. So, you know, every other day, I, you know, I would move from one house to another. So, um, you know, in essence, sort of had two different families, uh, but also one, you know, really big family uh, that I was able to, to grow up with. And that, um, you know, I think that defined a lot of qualities for me you know I think it, it, it taught me I think it taught me a lot um you know first and foremost independence which you know as you can imagine in a world like that um I had just had to be really sort of responsible and you know uh, kind of in charge of, of what was you know of what was going on and you know where I was and uh and I took a lot of that with me throughout my life you know and I'm still incredibly independent and I try to teach my kids uh independence and so you know, I appreciate, you know, all that that brought. Um, I think it taught me a lot about judgment early on, too. You know, I, um, it was all I ever knew. And I loved it. It was, you know, it was fun. It was chaotic. I had, uh, you know, two really great families that, you know, made this one big, you know, massive family. And I always felt like I really belonged there. But it was always, you know, it's always interesting and odd to people when they hear about it. And, um, you know, I think people are are very quick to judge on something like that and, you know, think, oh, gosh, you know, if, um, you're from a broken family. Uh, you know, what does that mean about you? And, and to me, it never felt broken. You know, it never felt like um, I was, you know, any worse off than, than anyone else I grew up around. Um, it was just unique to me. And so I think, you know, that just taught me early on about not being quick to judge people and, you know, even things that you... Um, you know, might take for face value, um, others don't. And so uh, I've always, you know, I've always appreciated that point that what, what looked odd to other people and looked maybe, um, 
maybe sad to people, you know, people didn't understand it was actually something that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and that was a big, big part of my life. Um, and so, you know, I would, I would never give that up. Um, I loved, you know, I loved the way it all came, that it all came to life. And I loved all the things that, that it taught about me. And who else was with you, brother, I had I had one brother um, who so we sort of traveled together. You know, the two of us would go house to house. Um, but then, as my parents each got remarried, um, you know, the sides of the families grew. So you know, now I have half brothers and sisters and step brothers and sisters. So it's you know created sort of a very a nice a nice web for us, um, which is you know which has been fun and and really gratifying. I um I like the. Okay perspective on judgment, partly because when I was growing up, Courtney, I, uh, you know, it's it's really weird. Every time I have these chats, it's like there's some new stuff that I think about my life and I go, man, how deep has this been buried? But yeah, when I was a kid, you know, this will be the first time I've shared this publicly, but my, I was, I was raised in a two family household which, you know, I told you in prep, we're going to be vulnerable here. Unfortunately, in, you know, sort of black culture, A, perception-wise, it's not a common perception when you talk about the word judgment, you know? Yeah. And and then, you know, I'll be frank, in my neighborhood, it wasn't a common thing. You know, a lot of my best friends and good friends, they, you know, were raised by their moms or their their grandmothers or you know, uh, a large family coefficient of sorts. And and I was in this traditional two-family household. But it was weird, Courtney, because, you know, I wasn't raised by my biological father, you know. So he, you know, he and my mom, they, you know, things didn't work out. And, and uh, so I was raised by a man that had nothing to do with my biology or DNA or anything, but he just embraced me from a very young age, you know? And it's super weird because I've always, like I'm always toying with this idea of judgment. I would go to school and people would have two responses, which was like another cultural thing for like, certainly a lot of African-Americans, like I go to school and like, oh, my dad would show up, my mom would show up and I'd be one of the only ones. And then folks would kind of look at me as if I thought of myself as being better than other people, you know. But meanwhile, Courtney, you know, I'm struggling with like my own stuff at home, you know. So it was like this this really interesting dichotomy of feeling as if there was a part of my own community that judged me for a stability in my home. But then internally, I was struggling with like feeling like the guy who's raising me, like he, you know, he isn't technically my dad, you know, and then like learning to embrace that a little bit. And I think it really set a path for me as a human around just discovering who people are and wanting to learn about what they can bring to the table outside of these labels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I wanted to maybe double click into the concept of judgment, you know, for you growing up or even as an adult, we don't have to put a time constraint around it. But do you recall or 
are there moments or themes that you really feel like you started to understand the impact of quote unquote judgment and then what you thought your role would be in addressing that theme and, you know, reaction to how people engage with each other? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely, it definitely started young and I think no matter your circumstance, I do think it, I do think it starts young. I think, you know, people, um, have situations every day because it's so easy to make assumptions and, you know, people are surrounded by assumptions. And I think um, that starts at a very early age. So I imagine everybody has um, sort of dealt with judging, even if they're not uh, incredibly aware of what it is, you know, I think it is a big part of everybody's life. And I think it becomes the point when you do start to be aware of it uh, is when, you can start to do something about your own judgment, right? And you even, you know, even the subtleties I think are are important. It's, you know, the little the little things in life, it, the easy assumptions you make. And, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know that when I was growing up, I was fully aware of um, what I was feeling from a judgment perspective. You know, I think as you grow into an adult and you learn through new experiences and, there's been, you know, more conversations about judgment that that happen. Then you then you start to put the pieces together. And so I, you know, I don't know that there was necessarily a, a defining moment for me, but it once you do have that sort of sense of awareness, to me, it just becomes so much easier to recognize it for yourself, um, and then to, you know, to act in a way that you would know the other person wanted you to act with, you know without that judgment. Um, and, and you can see how much better it makes things. I think for me, it's become even more important now that I have kids, you know, and uh, again, it's, you know, my kids don't make, um, you know, these massive judgments yet, but, you know, as they, as they start to grow up, you can start to see where, you know, where you start to make some assumptions. And so being able to have the conversations with them, you know, and sort of, defy those assumptions. I think the earlier you can do it for the kids, um, the better, you know, the better will they will be because the earlier, that just means the earlier they'll be in terms of, you know, when they're more aware of it. I think it's, <laughs> it's a great perspective on being a parent. You know, people ask me, what is the greatest gift to my own human development? And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I go, whew, Thank gosh I was blessed with the opportunity to have children. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Nothing <laughs> will put you in your place. Yes. <laughs> Teach you about what you're good at and what you're not good at and what you need to do. You, you know? Sure. They're like little mirrors of 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 how we behave, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, when I think about this time period that we're living in, you know, because it's not constrained, people say goodbye to 2020, Courtney. I'm like, if that's your mindset, if you're constraining this to like a particular year, we got big problems. You know, you know, the way that we love each other, the way that we think about compassion, the way that we think about collaboration. I mean, these have been themes in our world for as long as you and I have been alive, you know, and there's something about awakening to how we deal with it when you see your kids like you can look at them and you can see when they are on you know my kids are eight and four and I watched them at the park well this was before this space 
But I watch them at the park and I watch how they choose who to interact with. I watch how, you know, if they're pushed down, how do they react to that stuff? It's a really interesting like Petri dish of human development, you know? And I think in this current time, I have certainly been challenged with a storm of emotions, you know, around racial sensitivity, around, you know, our political divisions around, you know, how we think about fundamental stuff like <laughs> you will probably want to smack me outside the head, but like science, you know, basic stuff. <laughs> and then I look at my kids and I just wonder, am I imparting my own views on them or am I creating space for them to develop their own views? So I guess it's a question for you of in this time period, let's just say we constrain it to the pandemic period. Yeah. Yeah has encompassed a lot. How has it affected your approach to parenting? What have you learned about yourself, I guess, as a parent during this time? Because I I feel like for me, at least, Courtney, it has absolutely created a wealth of new considerations for me in parenting that I don't think I ever thought about before. Yeah. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, parenting has been easier and, and better during during the pandemic. And then I think a lot of the ways it's, it's been harder. And I think it's absolutely um, brought out what's important in parenting. Uh, you know, I think it's been, it's been a lot easier for me working from home and I am just more present in my kid's life, you know, than, than I had been previously because, that, because I'm here, you know, the, the thought of, being able to walk them to school if I want to, or, you know, running downstairs and, and grabbing lunch with them, you know, that's, that's something I've never been able to do before. And they're pretty young. They're, they're six and three. Um, so it's been, it's been really nice and very gratifying to be able to, to be a bigger part and hear about the, you know, this, you know, the story from the playground or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think that's, that's brought us a lot closer and I think has made me a more integral part of, you know, what they're doing in their everyday lives, which I think is is really important. You know, it's obviously been a lot harder because you have to sort of um, compartmentalize, uh, you know, work and parenting. And you know, I have found that I'm not very good at that. You know, what I've what I had in the past is the separation, the break, right? You get a commute or whatever it is. And so when I came home. I knew that I could be fully present with my kids because I had left work where it was, you know, I had so much time to be with my kids and I could, I could totally do that. Um, this requires you, this way of working requires you to do kind of both at the same time and you have to switch, you know, switch back and forth um, and, you know, put on your professional hat and then put on your mom hat in a you know, 30 second uh, time span, which is just hard. I, you know, it's taken me a long time to figure out, how to do that. Um, but, you know, I think I always go back to no matter what it is, uh, you know, is what I'm doing connected to my values? And, you know, if they're my values, then they're going to be the values of my kids. And that, you know, that's sort of my goal. So, um, and, you know, one of my values is being kind. And so trying to be kind to myself when, you know, it's harder to be good at parenting and be good at, being a professional. If I'm kind to myself, they're, you know, they're going to see that. Um, I think so many other things outside of the pandemic, you know, to your point in the past, you know, few years is 
only uh, reinforce the importance of, you know, being clear about your values and, and making sure that your your kids know that, you know, both in how you act and, you know, and what you say. And so it, it does feel like I've, um, I've been more cognizant of, uh, you know, being, having that list of values, right? Being clear about what they are and, and thinking about how, when I do have the time with them, to really reinforce those. Um, and that's just, you know, the best way, the best way you can. And it's not going to come with every, you know, everyday screw ups, but, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's the, the last year or so has definitely you know, opened eyes to the easy parts of parenting, the tough parts of parenting and how you actually, you know, have to be proactive about, you know, doing, doing what you think is right for them. Well, the parenting perspective is actually an interesting analogy for me and how I have, I like your words of opening my eyes to the impact I can have on all of my relationships, you know? And so bear with me a little bit. You know me that I can be a little nerdy sometimes. So I shouldn't have listened to this podcast this morning and I promise to not <laughs> reference too much, but I was listening to a podcast with Pharrell Williams and Bill Nye, the science guy, yeah? And I won't bore you with the stuff they were talking about, but it was actually an interesting one. But there was something he said that got me thinking about our chat today. And what Bill Nye referenced was he thinks about his life in reference to the number of days. And so I guess the sort of standard definition of a pretty long and successful life is in years 82 years and seven weeks. This is kind of like our current sort of American longevity uh, period. But if you look at that in days, it's about 30,000 days, about a round number, right? And then I'm listening to it. And you know, the first thing I did was counted up my number of days, right? <laughs> I alive. And when I did the math, I'm like, I've been alive for like almost 16,000 days. So I only say that because when you reference like open your eyes, for me, I've been trying to look at the sort of finite nature of this life experience, like not taking every day for granted. Mm -hmm. And even with my relationships, you know, like there were moments before all this where maybe I didn't call my mom every day, you know, and now I try to call her every day. You know, there were moments where I'll be very specific and vulnerable. I had a friend, I have a friend of mine, and if he listens, he knows what I'm talking about. We don't sit on the same side of the political table. We don't. Yeah. And before this, I wouldn't have even reached the conversation because we play great golf together. You know, we, you know, we can have a whiskey together and, and it's all laughs and it's all fun. But it's just something about right now where I'm like, man, I, I got to think about how I'm using the finite nature of life to ensure that in my relationships, I'm helping to create like a better world with my little circle. And I can't yeah. just like have apathy. I can't look at this guy and go, I know that like there's some things that you just don't know about and don't want to confront or don't even want to speak about. And I'm not saying I'm right, but we have to create some space to have this conversation because otherwise, man, like we're just contributing to the problem. So I guess it's a question for you of like throughout all this how have you confronted this concept of like the finite nature of life and then what it means to like 
intentional engagement with our community and the people that we interact with every day. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like it's almost ironic that it takes a pandemic like this, where literally every single day runs together. You know, there's there can very easily be, uh, you know, a series of 30 days where the exact same thing happens day in and, and day out. Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure, you know, you've been in the boat where it's like, I don't, I don't even know what day it is, you know. Uh, you know, even though our, we're still trying to live our lives in a world where, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's time bound and it's, it's day bound. It's just sort of, um, you know, sort of the sense of, of solitude and, you know, the lack of movement, I think, kind of erases time. And so, it is. It does feel ironic to me that in that situation, um, you almost uh, it's almost enlightened the fact that um, you you have to take you have to take days for what they're worth, and you have to be proactive about what you want to make with those days. And so I think at least at least for me, um, I almost have a better sense of of awareness you know, around what I do and don't want to do with my days um, when, you know, when I think it, it's just as easy to kind of let them all sort of flow together. And so, you know, for me, I found so much self-awareness has come from that, from that process, you know, in the last year or so. And there's so many things that I've learned about myself that then kind of helped me navigate the rest of this, you know, and, and all of the future be, beyond this, you know, you know, I'd say um, I've always considered myself more of an introvert, um, but I never realized um, how much energy I got from other people. You know, so whether it's uh, work related or, or social related, while, you know, while I consider myself more introverted, I need energy. I feed off the energy. I feed off the creativity of other people. And that's what sort of inspires me to, to keep moving and, and keep growing. And when you strip all that away, you know, I've had to be really proactive about finding those things that, that give you motivation, those things that align with your values that, you know, that let you live your life in, in the way you want to do. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, it's easy, you know, it's easy stuff. If I don't have um, new people and new experiences coming in my way, I have to go, I have to go find them. Um, and so that's been, that's been a fun, um, not fun, <laughs> it's been a, you know, it's been an, it's been an interesting and, and kind of gratifying process to be able to, to proactively find some some of those things that, that give me a little bit of energy and, and give me motivation. And I think those things can apply to work. And I think those can apply to, you know, how we live in our communities, how we, you know, how we live as parents. You just, you, you have to be more proactive. And when you have to be proactive, you have to be more purposeful. And when you're purposeful, um, the things you do are going to be better aligned with who you are and what you want out of life. And, and that's, you know, I think a bit of a silver lining from all of this. I like it. So this week, was it this week? Larry King uh, died and he was one of my favorite um, interviewers and he only had one people who interviewed him, interviewed with him, they only gave him one piece of feedback, which was, man, you were too easy on the guests. And so I'm like, I want to double click into one piece. When you say things you learned about yourself, I have, well, first, 
I'll give you some time to think about that. But first, I want to st- I want to share a story of why I've been invited you to this conversation, and that will give me maybe some freedom to probe a little bit more about what you have learned about yourself. And so there's always a moment when I do these where like I get super like emotional. This is weird that I'm going to talking about you. And I remember it because when I met you, it was through our professional relationship. And so maybe this will be fun. You'll actually learn why I'm always nagging you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, you know, was in a space when we started to work together where I wasn't quite sure of the value of like my voice in a room. You know, I always felt great about what I knew and how I contributed. And I think I have always brought an extreme level of care to my business relationships because I see the humanity in it. And I think when we met and we started to work together, I was starting to question whether that approach was good. Maybe I should just not care enough. You know, maybe it will be a lot easier for me if I just like, this is just the work and I'm just going to just do what I'm told and just make it work. And I just remember like sitting in like the first meeting that I ever met you and you were just asking like real genuine curious questions and you were creating a space for everyone in the room to feel like they belonged. And I don't know if you were I don't think you were aware of it because it was natural, but everyone, there were about, you know how agencies, we bring like 20 people. So there were at least like 20 of us, but everyone, I looked at how you were in it and you were just genuinely curious. And there wasn't this sort of mantra like vibe around you where it was like, it's all about me. And, And I just walked away from that and I'm like, there's something about what, like the energy you bring and your curiosity I want to have more of it. So I'm always like trying to pick at it and like learn. And that's why I wanted to ask you about what you think you have specifically learned, because I take you as a very introspective and intentional person, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just kind of seeing you when you're laying down at night or you're reading your book and you get some solitude and you're reflecting on like, what am I taking away right now? What What are the things, what are the values, traits that I really need to kind of like dig into and bring more out of? What does that sound like? What are some of those specific things you think you have learned about yourself that inspire you to kind of go into whatever's ahead of us? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a, it's a great question. I think there's definitely some things that I've learned uh, and there's definitely things that have been, you know, been reinforced for me for sure. You know, I think even, you know, what I was mentioning before, this this notion of um, me needing other people and new experiences in my life to feed off and, you know, and keep me fueled and keep me energized. I never thought that about myself. Um, like I said, I, I always thought I, and I still do, I still believe that I am um, an introvert at heart, but I think I'm an introvert that, um, you know, to your point, I am, I am very curious. I always, I always believe in the value of knowledge. And I think everybody comes such a unique perspective and you know everybody can learn from people no matter who they are you know no matter where they come from no matter what level they are no matter what you know what their profession is I always think it's it's fun to learn from people and so um 
I, I, I definitely realized how much I was missing that, not having as many people around me and not having those natural conversations and, you know, not quite frankly, meeting um, as many new people. And so that's been, that's been interesting to, to learn. And again, and now I just have to go find new ways to sort of learn things and get new perspectives. Um, I had finally ended up uh, succumbing to the thousands of Instagram ads for uh, masterclass, uh, you know, a, cu- a couple months ago, and I got a subscription of masterclass. And that's been so, I mean, it's been so fun. Uh, you know, some things that are, you know, silly and, you know, will mean nothing to my future, but it's just, you know, fun to learn about. Um, and some things that, you know, kind of sparking some interest, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that I, you know, was that interested in, in that space. So that's, you know, that's definitely been a fun thing to learn. I think other than that, it's um, it's just, it's reinforced for me how, um, you know, how I want to act and how I expect other people to act around me. You know, I think to, to our conversation earlier, um, we have to be really purposeful about, about what we're doing uh, when we're, you know, when we're in a world like this. And so, working with people that I want to work with that uphold, you know, similar values to me that I feel like we can learn together is, you know, it's become more important. So it's, you know, it's the things like respect, you know, it's the things like accountability. Um, Those have just become more important in my life. And, um, you know, as much as I value learning from others and, and being curious, I also just really value accountability and contribution, you know, and I have to feel like I'm making contribution to whatever I'm doing you know I can't um I can't be someone that's just sort of sitting on the side and observing you know I'm I'm certainly more of a of a doer and so um again finding all the ways that I can to do more of that you know um and and find different ways to to contribute and, and feel accountable it's just you know the things that are deeply rooted in your in your soul as your values I think they just they just come to life uh, you know, in situations like this. For me, I think if you were to have asked me that question, what have I reflected on personally? Um, there is a lot, and we don't have time to go through all that, but I think there are probably two things that I have really, really reflected on. And, you know, before we got on, we were talking about, like, you know, new jobs, new roles, and none of that stuff is that important to me anymore. I think it's just there are two things that have really, really sat inside of me. And, you know, Courtney, look, I mean, you won't help me answer it, but I'm trying to find the answer. And I'll tell you what those two things are. I think the first is, as a parent, um, I think we have to find a way to create a better sort of professional and cultural dynamic that supports growth in your career with growth in the health and wellness of your children, you know? And when people say return to normal, I'm like, do you know you don't know what my normal was before this? It yeah. was I would see my kids, you know, two days a week, maybe. I tuck them in at night when I got home from work. I read them a story. And you know, I guess when you think about maybe a way to pose that to you is when you think about whatever return to the future looks like, you know, pandemics behind us and we can go and we can be around people. Let's just say that that's the definition. We can just be near each other 
everything else is a fresh start. How do you see, what do you think are some of the most important things we have to consider reimagining as we start up again and look at the world anew? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge question and it's one I think we will all inevitably face. And I think it's, I think it's important for us to think about it as individuals going back into, you know, the normal workplace. I think it's important for us as, um, as organizations to think about it. And I think it's important for us as, you know, broader sort of society and, and our communities and, and how we think about it. Cause I think all three of those things play a really important role in how things were. And so they'll, they'll play just as important a role of, you know, of how things go. You know, I think organizations have a, you know, have a big responsibility to, to think about um, the value that flexibility can offer, you know, and the value that, and the role that technology can play and, you know, breaking down some of the historical barriers so that you don't have to only tuck your kids to bed twice a, twice a week, right? I think there's a lot of ways we've been able to see what we can do. I, I think it's a, it will be a big re- responsibility to make sure the things that work we continue to make those things work, you know, provide the kind of flexibility that people need to be able to thrive as professionals and thrive as, as parents and, and families. Cause that's um, it's, it's becoming, you know, we've all been made more aware of, of how it can happen and, and what you can do as, as both. I think so organizations will play a key role. I think, you know, as individuals, we have to do the same thing. If, you know, if, if we've realized that what we want in our life is to be able to be a bigger part of our kids' life, you know, how do we do that? How do we hold ourselves accountable to that? I think a lot of a lot of the challenges, I think particularly women, is just setting the the boundaries and keeping them. Um, and you know, and sometimes in my life I've been good at it, and sometimes in my life I've been bad at it. But I think this is a new, um, it's a new opportunity to remind ourselves how to how to be good at setting those boundaries and and really sticking to them and not and not being apologetic about um, needing to be somewhere else um, physically because that's where your kids are. That's, you know, that's what you need to do. Um, you know, and I, and I think, and everybody then plays a role in that, you know, um, spouses play a role in that, you know, children play a role in that. Um, everybody, everybody plays a role and in, in working together to figure out how to, how to make it happen. So I, I think it'll be very, very important for us to be overly aware and overly cognizant of, of making sure that we, keep the good parts of this whole pandemic, um, you know, but get us back to a place where um, physically being together and, you know, phys- you know, physically doing your job in places, you, you can do that um, without giving everything else up. I love, I, I, I love this boundaries part. I think that's so, so, so. And I think that it maybe brings me to two final perspectives for you um, because you've been so gracious with your time with me today. And the first is I think the world of you and I see you as someone that inspires me, not only professionally, but just as a human. And I think others do too. And so this question is actually intentionally intended for the listener to kind of understand how we think about failure, the word failure, you know? I think when folks look at, you know, 
what we do in our work and how we live our lives. And they just imagine some fantasy that it just always works. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. It's so it's another one of my open-ended questions, which is, you know, how have you thought about that word failure in your life? You know, I think sometimes people have negative connotations and may help them grow. How have you thought about that word? And if it sparks a particular experience that you think really contributed to your growth, um, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. I mean, I think like anybody, you know, I've had uh, probably more, you know, more negative responses to personal failure than, you know, than positive. I I think it takes a lot of self-awareness and it also takes a lot of support around you to be able to truly feel like a, you know, a failure can be a good thing. I, you know, I, I do think we're becoming better about that, um, you know, as a society. And, and uh, I think organizations from, you know, pro- professional perspectives um, are becoming better about, hey, failure is not bad. You know, failure is about learning. Failure is about figuring out what, what not to do. Um, and so I think it's becoming there's less of a cachet, you know, around, uh, you know, around failure. It's still, it's still a very personal thing. And so I think particularly people that have goals and, you know, um, are struggling with figuring out how, how to meet those goals. Failure is not, it's not a fun thing. You know, it's, it's not great. I, you know, to me, I feel like um, it's more of the, this kind of small everyday failures that actually have shaped me more. You know, I, I would say like, you got to try on a lot of different things to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at to figure out what you want to do and what you don't want to do to figure out what you like and what you don't want to like. And it's almost, um, it's more of the the process of discarding the things that you realize are, are, are not good, are not working. Um, less, and those are, that becomes less about failure and just more again about, about learning and about growth. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I've, you know, there are things I could look back on my, on my past, you know, my first job out of college was, was a horrible fit for me. Um, it was, you know, I was just so excited to, to get into the working world, um, that I didn't, you know, I didn't think much about it, you know, and I just, I just sort of took the job and it it was awful for, for so many reasons and I didn't stick it out very long. Um, and, and I was like, oh God, I really, I haven't made a good start to this whole thing, you know, I was feeling, feeling down on myself. Like I was so excited to, you know, to get in the working world and, and I was not doing a good job at it. Um, but what it, you know, what that did is when I got my next job that I actually loved, I realized what, what enjoyment work felt like, you know, from a, from a career perspective. And so that was, um, you know, a great example of where what felt like a failure at the time was actually a really necessary step for me to be able to understand what it's like to love a job, you know? And so then I could go chase that, chase that feeling. Um, it's hard to recognize failure in the moment. I think it's a lot easier to recognize it, recognize the benefit of it, um, you know, after, after the fact. And so whether it's sort of a, a big failure, again, those sort of everyday failures where you're just like, nope, I'm putting that aside. Nope, that didn't work. Nope. I don't want to do that. Those are all, I think, just as important in getting where you want to go and, and kind of living the life you want to live because you sometimes you don't know what what you want until you see what you don't sometimes people look at me and go that is the worst question ever but i'll try it (laughs) 
which is words that you live by, you know, your mantra. And I mean, you know, if, if you can imagine when people think about your values and the sort of sort of values that govern the way that you live your life and, and what you think you'd want to impart upon the folks around you, doesn't maybe it is an extremely philosophical and totally buttoned up. But when you think about those sort of words that define the spirit that you want to bring into our world and our community, what does that sound like for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think at a high level, you know, I've always been, I've always been a really optimistic person. It's just sort of, um, in my nature. Uh, and I think that sort of underlines a lot of, um, a lot of my values and a lot of, of what I do and what I believe, you know, I think 2020, you know, tried really hard <laughs> to put optimistic people in their place. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it did, it did a pretty good job. Um, and it, you know, it was, it was hard to in the last year to truly live up to, you know, to my sense of, of optimism. Um, but it sort of feels like, you know, um, yes, things are going to continue to be the same and we've got the same challenges. Um, but I am trying to take sort of a, a fresh start with with the year and kind of take my optimism back because I do think it's about, um, you know, it's about the power of having uh, of having the right kind of a mindset to get you through, you know, whatever it is that, you know, that you're getting through. And so if optimism sort of, you know, under underlines everything, you know, I think a lot of the things that define what I do every day, um, you know, would be things like, and, and I've talked about some of these things, but um, respect is really big for me. And, you know, everything I do is with, with the sense of respect, again, no matter how old you are, if you're my kid, or if you're my boss, um, you know, what you do or, or how I know you in my life, you know, uh, I believe in, I believe in mutual respect. And so that's going to guide, you know, everything that I do. I believe in kindness and that's not just, you know, kindness to other people. Like I said, it's, it's kindness to yourself. Um, and so I'm trying to get better at, you know, get better at that. I believe in independence and accountability and, um, you know, individual responsibility. I think every single person, you know, has a responsibility to themselves and, and to others, and, and I believe in, I believe in balance, you know, I think all, with all of that, there's, there's a give and take and there's a, you know, you, there's good days and there's, and there's bad days and, you know, not letting any individual thing or concern or part of your life take over the, take over the whole, uh, sort of keeps, keeps everything in perspective.